I'm Natalie Mills. And I'm Sarah Stark. And you are listening to The Lumpy Mother, the podcast where we show up for our kids by learning how to show up better for ourselves. We are not experts. We're just two best friends and moms who love learning and laughing together. I have an eight-month-old son and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And I have four kids, an eight-year-old daughter, and three sons who are seven, six, and 18 months. So if you want to know you're not alone and wanting a vacation away from your family vacation, then you have come to the right space. The way this works is each week, Natalie and I will have a yes, a no, and a hello for the week. Or in other words, something good, bad, and something random that has to do with what's on our minds after another week surviving parenthood. And Sarah and I have a feeling that you'll be able to relate to our experiences. (laughs) But if you can't relate, tell us about it. Email us at lumpymotherpodcast at gmail.com. We want to know what you think about the topics we cover, and we just might share your email on our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So... Sarah, do you have any um, rewinds about the things that you talked about last week? I have one rewind, and it has to do with how my husband Ben and I switched chores this week, and it was fantastic. (laughs) So he um, normally does the garbage. I normally do the dishes. We switched. I did the garbage. He did the dishes, and I loathe the dishes there is something about the dishes that they're like a weird symbol to me. They're one of, a, I don't know, monotony perhaps, or maybe they're like representative of this pandemic where every day feels like the same and disappears in a blur of more of the same. Um, like the only things that seems constant are the chores and the isolation and... <laughs> Uh, let's not get too depressing so here, but uh, I talked about us switching chores and how I kind of ended up feeling competitive about it because I wanted to show, oh, you know, the dishes are really rough. I'm sure he'll see that, you know, they're just every day, constant build up so many little doodads from all the kids cups and all this stuff. Mm, ugh, um, cups are the worst. But I didn't want cups. him to know that I had realized while taking out the trash that there was there was more involved than I had recognized. Um, and <laughs> so my husband, Ben, was listening to our last podcast and he was like, do you think maybe I wanted to just give you a break by taking the bigger task for a week? And I was like, oh, you know, that was really sweet. And uh, I didn't give him enough benefit of the doubt. But but then then his next the next thing he said was like, uh, you should also make sure to mention that I did bring the garbage cans back in this week. So um, so I think there's some more of a competitive spirit than he was willing, willing to admit. That's but it ended up so being funny. pretty sweet that. um he took on the larger task. And we're switching again. I'm still doing the trash, and I'm very hey, excited about this. That's awesome. I'm, uh, I'm totally into it, yeah. Um, this um, podcast has well. turned into a communication tool for you guys. It has. It really it has. I don't think we would have gone this in depth about the garbage versus the dishes. I would have just had, like, weird things built up in my head about how I, I think the conversation would go. Uh. That's hilarious. So, yeah. How about you, Natalie? Do you have any rewinds? You know, I don't really. For this week from last episode. I don't really have any rewinds. Um, All of my New Year's resolutions are good. I still have not gotten any overalls, but um, the rest of them are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's time. time. The rest of them are on the path to success as (laughs) so far. Um, But (laughs) we did get a listener email that was related to what I talked about last week. So I wanted to read that for everyone because it's wonderful. So this email is from a nice lady named Diane Schwartz. Just kidding. It's my mom. It's my mom. (laughs) Hi, Diane. (laughs) She says, um, 
Natalie and Sarah, I listened with some interest to your musings about what makes a successful parent. Let me tell you, I finally know that I have some success as a parent because I heard my grown adult daughter say that she makes her bed every day and sorts her laundry (laughs) with lots of exclamation points. And then she says, seriously, remember when you were in high school, I used to say you couldn't have breakfast unless your bed was made, So, which is not a great parenting technique. I don't think we're supposed to use food as leverage anymore. Don't withhold food. Yeah, exactly. So you started going to school without eating, probably pawned food off your friends. But you're so right. It takes 60 seconds and absolutely transforms the way the room looks. I probably didn't make my bed consistently until I was about your age. And now, occasionally, if I'm in a hurry or I'm tempted not to make it, and then I think this will be the day I'll die before I get home. People will come (laughs) to the house to console Hank. We'll see the bedroom door open and the bed not made and we'll think, good grief, Diane didn't even make her bed. And so I take 60 (laughs) seconds and make it. And then I feel better knowing that people won't stand by my casket whispering, did you know she didn't make her bed? And the laundry. (laughs) I was so happy when you began doing your own laundry, but it drove me out of my everlasting mind to realize that you were washing bras, jeans, (laughs) t-shirts, towels, reds, whites, blues, all in the same load. I could hardly stand it. But it was still your job. You didn't care. So I sucked it up and let it go. All this to say that neither of these things defines being a successful parent. You three, which I think I have two sisters, so it's three of us. And then she also says, Sarah, you too. So that makes four. (laughs) Are kind, thoughtful, compassionate, confident, responsible humans that I thoroughly enjoy being with. That makes a successful parent. Help your kids be who they're supposed to be, not anyone else's ideas of who they're supposed to be. That's what I strive for, or it is what I strove for. And it seems to have worked. (laughs) Uh. Like really the quality, it's, um, it goes back to the qualitative idea of success. That's what really matters at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I obviously now have to make a guarantee that I'll mention she made her bed every single day in her eulogy one one day because it's a priority. Today we remember Diane and I want everyone to know her bed was made. Her bed was, it's a symbol for maybe something else. We'll make a great metaphor out of it. This is dark, yeah. but. Um. Do you ever, I do other things like that that are kind of morbid. Like, um, yeah, where I, I save voicemails from every person I love in case oh, some, the worst is to one. happen. Yeah. yeah. And I still have that's their a really voice. Good one. I still have voicemails from both of my grandmas who passed in the last few years. Oh. Yeah. I haven't. Um. I haven't, I'm not in a place where I can listen to their voices right yeah. now, but because it still hasn't been long enough. But knowing yeah. I have them there is really nice that someday I could even share them, their voices with my kids. Like it's a different oh, that side really of, of remembering somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but another one that I think of is how um, people often uh, throughout my life I've heard, you know, make sure you change, you have fresh undies every day. And it's yeah. not it's not because it's hygienic to change your underwear every day. No, it's because the EMTs and the hospital staff, they might be judging. All right. So that's our um, rewinds and our listener yes. email for Yay. this week. Sarah, what's your yes this week? Well, I'm taking my yes to a more, more serious note. My yes this week is the incredibly tough heartbreaking moments that in parenthood that have the most beautiful rewards of love and fulfillment. So one night last week, my daughter Evie woke up in the middle of the night and she was really upset. And um, it turns out she got her leg stuck in the bars of the crib. She still sleeps in her crib and she was hurt. So my husband and I, we examined her leg and it looked like she was fine. Um, but what I think ended up happening was she was just super overtired from waking up in the middle of the night. Um, so to explain, Evie is a deeply feeling kid. Um, she's just super sensitive and it's something I love about her. She feels with her whole being and it, um, it, it's really beautiful. But it's also... 
heartbreaking sometimes, especially when she goes into these tantrums where her emotions mm-hmm. just absolutely overtake her little body. Um, and so um, she's also, since she's been an infant, gets so overstimulated and she can't turn off her brain enough to relax and fall asleep. Yeah. And so the fact that this this thing happened at in the middle of the night really, I think, made this situation even harder. And she kept waking mm. up over and over and having just a really tough time with massive meltdowns each time. Finally, around three or four in the morning, she just really lost it to the point of no return. Uh, I haven't seen her this upset mm. in a while um, since we've been really... Focusing on her emotional intelligence, really, um, and being able to identify her emotions, allowing her emotions. Um, something I'm always working on. I'm not perfect at it, but it has helped my daughter, especially since she's such a deeply feeling kid. This night, she was so upset that she and started pounding her head into the door, oh, uh, no. which and at that point... It's like I have to I have to do something. I have to make sure I can't let her hurt herself. So I had to mm-hmm. go in and lovingly restrain her um, to make sure yeah. that she's safe. Um, and I've seen this Dr. Becky at home on Instagram, who I will possibly talk about every episode because of the influence <laughs> this uh, she has had on the way I understand my daughter, the way I understand myself. Um, she's a psychol- yeah. child psychologist, um, but everything she says has helped me grow as a person. And as well as help support my daughter. Um, but she has an IGTV about how to lovingly restrain a child who might hurt themselves um, in the throes of a meltdown like this. So basically, I gave her this huge bear hug. Uh, I'm just holding her. She fights back with the really incredible and surprising toddler strength. And um, I just hold her tight. And I'm like, you're safe. I'm here. I'm here to keep you safe. I love you. I'm here. I love you just the way you are. Over and over and over. I kept saying that. I was like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry. If you need to cry, it's okay to cry. And then um, eventually her whole body just completely collapsed into my arms. It was mm. it was like it collapsed in relief because she finally yeah. felt safe and she stopped crying and I started crying because oh. when she's in the middle of these meltdowns and it, they're they're really really intense I'm thinking I don't know how to help her am I enough to am like I just have so oh, many doubts yeah. about myself Am I not getting her maybe the help she needs or the support? Is something wrong with me that I can't can't help her through these things? And then just like that cycle of self doubt. Yes, that, yes. Yeah. Especially when I'm there and this meltdown goes on for a long. I mean, she's not one to quit in 15 minutes, which I love about her. Yeah. But um, but it goes on for a long, long, long time. Um, so when in that moment when her body just physically released and collapsed and relaxed mm-hmm. in my arms, I was like, it was it's just one of the most beautiful moments I've had of being her mom because I was me like, I am enough. I am what yeah. she needs. Yeah. It was just a, a really difficult, difficult thing to go through. But um, so, yeah, that was one moment and that really had me thinking about it because I think a lot of moms have that kind of doubt in themselves. And then there was another moment that was really beautiful that, again, kind of was this tragic, hard thing that showed me the power of of parenthood or motherhood. And it was uh, when Mm -hmm. my son Franklin was first born. He was born, he was really purple, and it took him longer than it should have for him to transition from, well, my midwife put it as from sea animal to land animal (laughs) because he had to learn how to breathe oxygen. Yeah. Um, And so uh, they were pretty nervous. Like, there were NICU nurses in there, and a whole bunch of other nurses just filled the room, and they kept putting him on me. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. Fortunately, my midwife, like, was really great. She communicated with me every step of the way, and I felt super safe. And and, um, at one point, she was like, you know, if anything was seriously wrong, he wouldn't be here right now. He'd be 
rush down to the NICU. And, uh, like, oh. so she knew what to say in that moment for me yes. to know that, okay, it's serious, but it's not to the point where I need to be concerned for his, his yeah. livelihood. Um, yeah. So this is happening. They're kind of they kind of keep bringing it over to me, and then he's getting blue again. They take him back to the heating lamp, check him out, and then when he's finally breathing well, and he's placed in my arms, and he's just crying and crying, and crying because he's been poked and prodded. I just like hold him, and they allow me to take my mask down because it's COVID time, and I couldn't even see him when I'm holding him. Like, can I take my mask? Can I keep, take off my mask? You know, I want to see my baby. Um, oh, I'm gonna cry. Uh, and so they let me take my mask off so I could see him. And then he's screaming and screaming. And I start singing him Wheels on the Bus, which is my daughter Evie's favorite song. And he just stops Aww. because cause it was my voice. It was my that's because he knew I was his mom. And uh, mm-hmm. whew, yeah, so that was an incredible moment. And I just think what I want to say with the story or with these stories and these moments is as parents, we love our kids so much that it's easy to doubt ourselves when things get really hard. But yeah, for me, it's important to think back on these specific, very, very difficult moments that end up being the most beautiful moments of my life that I will always remember that I am yeah. mom enough <laughs> for the, these two kids. So, Well, especially with Evie, it's just um, like that moment where she kind of just like collapses into you it's after a whole night of having those self-doubts that you talked about. Yes. It's the it's not like a reward, I don't know if it's the right word, but it's the confirmation that you are making the right choices, that you are doing what she needs, even yeah. which is so hard to feel that when she's screaming against you and just doing everything that yeah. is maybe, working against maybe you. Maybe just being there and loving her is enough yeah. even if i can't yeah. fix it you know i think there's this innate thing in wanting to to fix the oh, the big 100%. feelings you know yeah to not let, to well, not have to hurt, to have to suffer like that cuz i yeah. i mean it's feeling feeling that that scared like i imagine mm-hmm. a toddler does in a meltdown like that uh i mean yeah. that's that's got to be really and hard I think- on them Creating a space for her where her emotions are safe, even when they're extreme, is such a big deal. I really struggle with that in our house in um, very stressful moments, like trying to leave the house or bedtime. You know, in those moments, I tend not to have patience for it as much as I should. Oh, absolutely. I can't imagine being up all night like that and being emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted. But then that reward like you said, I'm sure that moment was just so beautiful and it will stick with you, especially the next time if this happens again, um, you know. Yeah, I think that's, that's the powerful thing about it, too, is that's a really good point yeah. and it will stick with me. So that's my yes today. Yeah. yeah. So what's your yes today? My yes is also a little bit serious. Um, my yes is trusting your mom or parent instincts and really the first time that I realized how important this was when was is when um Harrison my son who is now six years old when he was I bet he was about a year and a half two years old um no he was definitely under two but um he got a cold and um Everything seemed very normal for a cold, but it felt like it took a lot of work for him to breathe. It, he wasn't struggling like he was gasping, but it it just I could tell that it was taking more effort than usual. And we have an absolutely incredible pediatrician. Um, and so I sent him an email saying, you know, this is happening and I just want to make sure it's nothing to be worried about, which also that is the first step of trusting your mom instinct, because um, Nick tends to want to think it's it's fine it's going to get better you know which is how he copes with fear and that's totally normal and totally fine um so even taking that moment to um email the doctor you know like you're accepting that it might be something scary at that point Mm -hmm. so trust your trusting my mom instinct to do that but then um he called me back 
and he started asking some questions and I answered him honestly. And he kind of said, you know, if you feel like this is um, if you feel like this is him struggling um, or working really hard, then you should take him to the hospital. And that kind of response is really hard for me. I need a very solid like yes or no. I don't do well with people like a open ended. It's up to you and you're kind of like biased. Same, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I really struggled with that. And I watched him like um, labor to breathe for maybe 20 more minutes. And I told Nick, no, I'm I'm going to take him in, which taking your kid to the ER, especially he was a year and a half old. It was the middle of the night. It's like an emotional thing. We've had to do it a few times. Ava stuck a rock up her nose when she was a toddler. So <laughs> we had to take her in serious, so that they could. <laughs> Well, no, we laughed about it because she she, we would not have even known she came up to us and she was like a rock in my nose. And we looked up and sure enough, there it was. Um, So (laughs) it's happened a few times, but it's always scary, you know. Um, And so in that moment, I um, I don't know why I always doubt myself before I make that decision. There's always a part of me that's like, okay, but what if you're overreacting? What if this is nothing? And all of this is, you know, um, I don't know why I fear that so much. Because when I ask myself that even out loud, what if it is nothing? Okay, so what the worst they do is send you home, you know? Yeah, it doesn't say anything bad about you. There's less harm in taking them in. You know, yes. then um, so, not going in and it being something serious. I trusted my mom instincts and I brought him in and um, it did turn out to be something. He is kind of he's grown out of it a little bit now, but he um, had to have a breathing machine that he used um, on occasion for years. And um, the our doctor said, you know, when they're this young, they don't they can't really diagnose it as asthma. But that's essentially what it was. It happened every time he would ever get a fever. Um, sometimes it would happen really suddenly where he would, he, he would labor to breathe. So he had his little machine and as a little two-year-old, he knew exactly what to do with it. Um, and it was just a steroid that we would put in there for him. Um, and so it did turn out to be something serious, you know, and we had to travel with that thing because it would happen on vacation every so often. Like I said, it could come out of nowhere. And um, the reason this is kind of my yes this week is because that happened again this week. Um, And it was not with Harrison this time. It was with baby Charlie. He um, usually wakes up at about like between 730 and eight. Um, But he slept in like crazy one morning and he had not napped the day before. So I kind of told myself that it was because of that, you know. And so finally at 10 o'clock, I went in there because I realized at some point, like, if I don't wake him up, he's not going to nap today either. And, you know, whatever. So I went in there at 10 a.m. to wake him up. I opened up his blinds. And he was like breathing. He didn't have a fever or anything, but I could barely get him to open his eyes. Usually when you wake him up, he pops right up and he's ready to go. Um, And he wasn't doing that at all. And so I thought, oh, we just like really are asleep right now. So I picked him up and I rocked him and he fell back asleep in my arms and was almost like lethargic. It was crazy how asleep he was. I put him on his changing table. He usually gets crazy. He likes to fight back when you change his diaper. Um, Mm -hmm. And he finally woke up at that point. His eyes were open, but he was just kind of staring at me and they were so heavy. And um, when I took him downstairs, because at this point, obviously, I am starting to realize I think something's wrong um, and I'm not really sure what it is. So I take him downstairs and I get him ready for breakfast. First, I just set him in my lap and I get all of his applesauce packets and He was shaking so bad, he could not hold his applesauce and he couldn't bring it to his mouth. And so I gave him, he ate four applesauce packets. He was very interested in food. I put him in his high chair and he couldn't hold his head up all of the way. And he was so shaky. He, I made him some toast real quick. He, um, he was so shaky, he couldn't get the toast almost to his mouth. And so I'm trying not to panic because 
I am almost certain at this point that it's like his blood sugar is low. When he was first like a newborn, we had to stay extra few days in the hospital because his blood sugar, he had some issues with it, but he has not had any problems since then. And so um, that's why I was like trying to feed him so much because I knew that if I could get him to eat, it would slowly get better. This is why this is my yes, because I don't know why I doubt myself so much as a mom sometimes. I think we all do it right as parents. Yeah. Um, you always second guess yourself. Um, And because I kept saying, well, you know what, if he's eating now, so I'm going to take him in and then he's going to seem normal and then they're going to think I was lying. I don't know why I always assume doctors or think I'm lying about stuff. I'm not sure why I think that. It's weird, right? Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And so I was like telling myself that I was telling myself that, you know, maybe I just need to email his doctor. Um, And so, you know, like I said earlier, what I need is someone telling me what to do. Sometimes my mom was like, no, take him in. I realized, okay, no, this is the right choice. So I drove him to urgent care because um, if it was his blood sugar, that was something they could solve. Also, urgent care is a lot less expensive than the mm-hmm. ER. Um, and so I drove him to urgent care and I walked in with him and the la- and I told the lady it was wrong. And she was like, I think you should just take him right to the hospital, which, of course, is not a great feeling. That's not an awesome thing to hear, because then all of a sudden it feels more serious. So I drove him there. Long story short, um, it what he did. It was a blood sugar thing. They when we walked out, they called it a um, hypoglycemic episode. And so it was just his blood sugar being really low. So that was that experience was absolutely a no. It was exhausting. I was so tired at the end of the day, but I was really happy that um I've learned at this point to listen to that inside voice in my head that's telling me if something is serious, you know, that's something you yes. have to kind of learn as a parent. So that's my it's that, that sounded really that sounded like a no, but it really um, <laughs> that's why the experience is not a yes, but just right. reflecting on where I've come. And I think I, I yeah. am so much better now at listening um, and trusting my instincts than I was eight years ago when Ava was an infant. That's a that's big for yes. Sure, in so. the end. I just kind of like my yes, like sometimes it takes really hard things to come to these big yes. moments where you're like, no, I do trust myself. I am a mom and I I'm I am their mom and I know something's off. Yeah. I do the same thing and with yeah. doctors. That makes me wonder, um I bet a lot of people have that experience where they do like I don't want it to them to think that I'm making a big deal out of nothing or like yeah. wasting resources almost or something. I always feel like I have to prove to them that what I'm saying is true. So yes. like um I had food poisoning once and It was like when I went in, I had to prove to them that the pain I was feeling was real. I don't know. It's so weird. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I think people aren't going to think I'm telling the truth. They're not going to believe us. Like, yeah, we're just coming in here to lie about our symptoms. Like, we just want attention or something. I don't know. It's Yeah. So um, that's my yes. Sarah, what's your no this week? Well, it's a no. I know. (laughs) That everyone who is a parent will relate to it's sleep deprivation. But it's a different kind of thought in sleep deprivation because when I'm in the middle of the relentless deprivation, like um, when my son Franklin went through the four month sleep regression, it basically continued Mm. until last month. He he was up. Five, six, seven, eight times a night, like every half hour Ugh. sometimes, just constant. There, I mean, there was no sleep. And then you wake up next morning and you have to take care of another child, too. You don't just have this this baby. Neither of my kids have are good sleepers or have been good sleepers. Uh, Evie is recently because we, we got the system down. Um, but I spent a lot of time online looking up how can I help my kids sleep? How, how can I deal with sleep deprivation? How can I get through this? And all of the advice is about 
how to help your baby sleep better. It has nothing to do with the parents and how how they can better cope. Because you're also at the same time told that you will be sleep deprived, that your child, like babies, as we talked about previously, they just they they have short sleep cycles and they're not supposed to sleep for long periods of time. And and they're not going to be on the same kind of uh, sleep schedule that we as adults need for maybe even a couple of years. And there's even this social media uh, trend going on right now where that I like that's saying, you know what, it's normal. There's nothing wrong with your kid if your kid doesn't sleep through the night for a couple years. Yeah. But it still ignores how are we supposed to do this as how am I going to get through the next yeah. couple of years? <laughs> it's, it's laying out the problem. Everyone's telling you there's a problem. It's going to be hard. But I, there's no resources or advice no. on how None. you personally, Nothing. as a parent. Every, every time I yes. search, it's okay. What was hilarious, Natalie, is that every time I search <laughs> for how a parent can deal with sleep de- deprivation, um, with a new baby, one of the biggest things was sleep when the baby sleeps. And I'm like, I have already gone through this with Natalie. No, no, no. That's the only time you can sleep, as we discussed. Also, you're still going to be exhausted, as Natalie said um, yes. in episode Ugh. one, if you'd like so like to revisit. But <laughs> and and so that's all I could find. And I was just I was just starting to get curious. Like, is there anything to help the parents cope? Because you are pretty much guaranteed to at least go a couple weeks, if not months and months. Um, yeah. With my daughter, every it was a full year. I think there was maybe two or three times that I got consolidated eight hours to sleep. Every other time, mm. I mean, it was rough. But yeah, a lot of and a lot of them also. In addition to sleep when the baby sleeps, it was like um, how you can help your baby sleep, and then it's like you're depending on your baby, who's not even supposed to be sleeping the way you sleep. To sleep better, Ugh. and the only solution still is more sleep. Instead yeah. of okay, how it's... can I not feel like I'm going to lose my mind? Like I'm going to have a mental breakdown. That's what I need to know. So I'm going to share what I was able to find, which was not much. It, it was one. It was one article. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other advice I found was because I didn't include newborn in the title. Which is 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 so I think comment uh, comments so mm. well on how I think parents are forgotten and the baby is centered and the baby is important of course, mm. but so is our ability yeah. as parents to be good parents and in order to do that we need yes. to well sleep if we can but we're, learn how to work through sleep deprivation. Um, but yeah, one mm-hmm. good article I said what I found was um, from U.S. News. And the title of the article is A New Dad's Advice on Coping with Sleep Deprivation. And so this is what it says. He says, do everything you can to build a little sleep zone for yourself and your partner so that you can take advantage of any moment, and they'll only be mere moments, mm-hmm. uh, when sleep is feasible. <laughs> Invest in a good eye mask so you can sleep during the day or when lights are mm-hmm. on. There's a reason fancy airlines... Um, their amenity kits include eye masks because they work and wearing one goes a long way uh, to at least a single coveted REM sleep cycle, which you will covet. Mm-hmm. Also, keep plenty of water, earplugs, and a comfor- comfortable pillows and blankets handy. Ditch the cell phone or tablet um, in bed because the blue light emitted from electronic devices messes with your sleep cycle on a good day, let alone when you're desperate for new uh, precious moments of sleep. I really liked that. I, I liked how he was like, you're not going to be getting much sleep. I'm just going to be real with you. But here's how yeah. you can optimize the sleep you are getting. And I thought those were actually helpful. Yeah. Uh, one thing I also did when both of my kids were newborns is I wore earplugs at night because um, mm-hmm. they were sleeping next to me in the bassinet. But I would I was so anxious that, you know, they would stop breathing because <laughs> it feels like. Yeah. That's... There are so many things that are going to cause them to die when they're that mm-hmm. little, which is terrifying. And um, so the earplugs helped me cancel out the little noises. And it was, you still wake up. I promise you, you will still wake up because you're in that hyper alert. I'm a new parent uh, mode. And um, oh, I think that's great advice because I remember when the kids were little and sleeping in bassinets in our room, It like every time they make those little like baby grunts and noises Mm -hmm. it's not them waking up but my body would immediately wake up because it has this expectation that the 
baby needs me. And so mm-hmm. that's, I think the earplugs is great advice. I sleep, um, it, it I sleep me. with an eye mask to this day. I oh, cannot really? sleep without an eye mask. Actually, that's my hello today's sleep stuff too. So I'll save it till then. But oh, um, fun. Yeah. But that's interesting. I've never tried an eye mask. Uh, maybe I should. That's a really great idea. I definitely have been trying to stay off my phone lately um, oof, because yeah. I've noticed a difference in quality of sleep or feeling rested. I like that he had like actual checklist things. Yes. And that was the only article. I mean, I searched and searched and searched. Everything was just this generic learn how to how to train your baby to sleep, which you can't really do anyways. And they're not really supposed to do. It's a lot of like baby centered information, which is obviously extremely important and helpful. But we've forgotten an entire component of this, which is us, the parents, you know. And so um, that's frustrating. I think that's that's what we're about here, too, is, you know, we can show up for our kids by showing up for ourselves. And and there needs to be a recentering on how can you cope with this? Because it's inevitable and it's going to happen and it's hard and mm-hmm. like, oh, there's this article I came across. It's not encouraging. Uh, <laughs> but according to the BBC, we do not simply adjust to sleep deprivation. In the short term, it reduces concentration. And if it's extreme, it makes us confused and distressed and turns us into such poor drivers that it's equivalent to being drunk. And that's a, that's your first, at least your first year of parenthood. That's how sleep deprived you are constantly. Yes. Relentlessly. I think it's the relentlessness. Yeah. There's a game show on Netflix. I think they may have only done one season, but essentially they kept a group of people awake for 24 hours in this like locked basement room and they gave them um, like a laundry, like an industrial laundry bin size of quarters. And for 24 hours, they had to count quarters. And then after the 24 <laughs> hours, they come into in front of a group of people, they had to complete a whole bunch of tasks and they talked about how the sleep deprivation affects the way that they can think through logical tasks, that they can react mm-hmm. through um, physical tasks. And yeah. it was really it was interesting. But um, yeah, it was it essentially just what you're saying. But that was only 24 Except hours, guys. Exactly. <laughs> Parents, that was all, we're going months and months and months and months. I want to see some studies. I want to see some advice. Uh, stop telling me I need to sleep more. I know this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to read an article about how I need to sleep more. It's, it's clear to me. I wish I could. So one of the articles was like, take a nap when you can. I would. <laughs> I would if I could. <laughs> I would take so many naps. Article. <laughs> That's don't not even actually advice. I feel like any adult uh, it can logically think that. That's the worst kind of advice. Let me just yeah. tell you what you already know. <laughs> what any, <laughs> any person with a, a sense of reason knows. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my big no. Uh, tell us, do you have any suggestions for surviving <laughs> sleep deprivation? I would love to know. <clears throat> that's my no. Natalie, what is your no? <laughs> um, my no is real goofy. And so we had a <laughs> pretty serious yeses, your serious no, and my no is way off track. As I stated at least once before, I am slightly addicted to TikTok. I have to purposely not get on it because I if I try to TikTok before I go to bed, I can be up for hours and all of a sudden it's 1 a.m. and I like can't stop myself. Um yes. but it's funny because there's there's like trends that go through TikTok. And so right now, everyone is talking about how the side part that all of us have. We, <laughs> I am a millennial. Sarah is a millennial. Millennials yes. got this weird kind of rap to our name, I feel like, which is not always true for us. We're great millennials. I just want to say that. So um, <laughs> absolutely. Well, yeah. Um, so there's this new thing going around that's saying the side part that millennials do are not in anymore. That that's the new Wait, it, like it's only millennials. I thought that like in just was... in just in general, but it's coming from Gen Z, which is the generation below us. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like the kids that are in high school right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like blasting us all over the place. They they <laughs> keep saying they don't understand why millennials are so obsessed with their side parts, and apparently the center part is now the thing. Which Whoa. I I'll be honest, I can cope with that. I think 
that's not a big deal to me. But the other thing that they're saying is out is I refuse. I refuse. They are telling all of the Gen Zers are saying that skinny jeans are not in anymore. No. And you can peel my skinny jeans off my cold, dead body. I'm yeah. not giving up my skinny jeans. And How are you going to wear was... tall boots if you don't have okay. skinny jeans, guys? Did you well, consider this? It's not even like just bell bottoms that are in. I think I whatever if bell bottoms came back really seriously that I could embrace that. The jeans that are in right now are literally the jeans that I wore in fourth grade before bell bottoms (laughs) became cool, where it was like that really thick denim and there was no actual shape to them like they they didn't like bell bottom out but they also don't stick to your legs they just kind of exist around your body (laughs) and you need to check it out there's a few of like the really trendy i'll post a picture with our um thing this week because i'm (gasps) you could look at pictures of our grade school jeans and it's the exact same thing but in adult form it's it's the most unflattering thing ever oh I, I understand, like, these skinny little high school girls, whatever. They can pull off anything. I have a mom body. My body has been <laughs> twisted in so many weird ways from being pregnant so many times. It has never yeah. recovered, and it will never fully recover. And I love my body. I'm embracing that about myself. But yeah. one thing I don't need is loose, thick denim that goes all the way past <laughs> my belly button to accentuate all of that. I need something skinny and tight that's going to show off the only good thing I have left, which is my ankles. <laughs> so, like, these, <laughs> giant, these giant jeans don't do that. And I just don't, I don't understand it. Why did we bring that back? But essentially, I think I'm angry because... Um, you know, when we were young there, when bell bottoms became cool, which I really rem- I don't know why I have such I distinct remember memories too, of like this. like sixth, seventh grade. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All of a sudden, bell bottoms were the thing you could not wear straight legged pants to school anymore. <laughs> I had a pair of bell bottoms from Macy's. The slit in the bell bottom was fake cowhide. It was hairy and everything. <laughs> And they were my favorite pair of jeans. Of course they were your favorite. thought they were so cool. Um, I also want to add that this is before, when we were kids, they didn't have, or like preteens, they didn't have leg length sizes in jeans yet for girls, or at least nowhere that I shopped. And I was, I was always really tall and gangly. So all of my bell bottoms would like come up above my ankle. I was obsessed with finding long bell bottoms. So when you sat down, they were really, really cool. Yes. Yes, it was the opposite of what it was supposed to be. So because they were supposed to like almost fit around your shoe and get nasty when it rained or snowed out. Do you remember how like soggy they would get when we were younger, (laughs) like in grade school? Our moms had specific looks. You know what I mean? They had very specific the mom jeans. And um, Mm -hmm. and so now apparently the mom look is the side part and skinny (laughs) jeans. And I'm kind of just like. Well, I am momming it up over here. Yes. No, I barely put on jeans. (laughs) Mine are sweatpants and leggings and uh, I've really stopped trying, I think. So maybe Uh, that's the mom look for my generation. I think. (laughs) No effort whatsoever. Instead of yoga pants now or like leggings, it's all joggers. Joggers. Have you seen joggers yet? They're sweatpants that that cuff at the bottom. Joggers. They're so cool. <laughs> joggers. <laughs> joggers. No, I'm just really no bitter about this because I've invested a lot into all of my yoga pants. <laughs> so, I'm going to. You know, at the end, I, I think I, I'm. Yeah, it goes back to me not trying to be cool anymore. I'm all for new trends. I love new fashion. I think it's so fun to even just see what's coming out. But I cannot support this. <laughs> I can't support this. You've reached your limit. I've reached finally that old curmudgeon. It it took you till you were thirty-two, so at least you you know. I made it a while. 
I can support a lot of the other stuff. I love that, like the um, like combat boot kind of stuff is coming back in, and yeah, yeah. I so I love those looks. Um, I can't get into these new jeans though. I just can't do it. I actually have more of a problem with the part because center parts look terrible. Who like I think of like (laughs) alfalfa or like the what is it? The little rascals like they all had weird center. Dwight Schrute. Dwight Schrute had a center part. That's like, (laughs) I don't understand it. So, um, anyways, that's that's my no. It's so silly. I love your no. I think that your hello, um, from what I've seen on our show (laughs) notes at least, your hello is gonna follow this theme. So, so my hello is toilet paper roll preference, and whether you (laughs) want it to roll over the top or like under underneath, you know. Uh, so, but whenever I come across this, this question, do you prefer to roll your toilet paper over when you refill it or roll it, have it so it rolls under? And I used to, and still do roll my eyes. I'm like, why does anyone expend the energy to care about how their toilet paper is placed? I just feel like I, there are so many things I could get upset about a day and I'm just not going to let a toilet paper preference weigh me down. Um, and you know, this, this whole conversation keeps coming up, you know, through social media and what have you. And then one day I was thinking, I was like, I wonder if my husband Ben has a preference. I bet he does. So uh, wait, to clarify, you don't have a preference? No. I you don't care? care. Yes. No. I don't understand why people care. I get mad that people care. That's my preference. So weird. Okay, so because continue your story. Just roll it and then you use it and then it's done. <laughs> why do you have to pay attention to what side it's coming from? Does that have anything to do with the function of toilet paper? I, it doesn't. It, to answer my question. <laughs> It does nothing. So I asked my husband, he's like, yeah, absolutely. And he was very vehement about this. You have to have it rolled over. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Are you, you, are, you, are a roll, you are a rollover. I, I knew it. No. am absolutely an over. I've always been an over, especially in public places where it leans against the wall. It freaks me out oh. that it's like touching the wall oh. for some reason. I think that's my big reason. Also, Ooh. I have really that makes, messy, that's gross That's a good kids. hygienic. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Always I, over. I didn't think of it in that way. I'm just like, as, as long as it's not touching a gross public wall. Did he have an argument for why? He likes it over? No, I didn't ask. I, I don't know. We didn't really get into it. It was just, that was just the way he liked it, right? And so <laughs> I, I decided not to give him too much, I don't know, not, not to make a big deal out of it or like grief. get mad. Grief, that's the word. I decided not to give him too much grief about it. And instead, I decided to be really awesome and sweet and the best wife ever. And now, every time I refill the toilet paper, I make sure it's over. For Ben, just for him, because that's how I, much I love him. Um, so I went, I, I like hopped in bed one day. I've been doing this for a couple months now. And I was like, Ben, I have something very important to tell you. I love you so much. I roll the toilet paper over. I used to not, because he used to actually <laughs> told me, he's like, yeah, whenever you don't put it in over, which is sometimes because I don't pay attention or care, he fixes it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I realized from switching chores uh, in this, that this is what romance is in a mar- marriage. Like, this is this is what it is. <laughs> like, like, like Ben taking on the more difficult chore that I hate and me making sure the toilet paper is rolled over. Because it's, like, maybe the dishes aren't a big deal to him. Maybe they are. But he did that to be kind. And to me, I really know I don't care about which way the toilet paper is installed. But now I do. Mm-hmm. Because I love you, Ben. This one's for you. Um, so funny. I'm trying what, to think yeah. if I do anything like that for Nick, and I, <laughs> either, I can't. <laughs> nothing's coming. Is to it mind. bad if I can't think of anything that's like it's it's small a very specific weird. thing. I'm you know I will no, give you it's... a week if you don't come up with something by next week. You better start something. The problem is I'm just like super passive aggressive. So if I if I was you and I didn't care, but I knew my husband did care. I feel like my way of flirting is not normal, so I would purposely switch all of the toilet paper the other direction in the house <laughs> just be like. 
Or I would only do that when I was angry at him. Like if he did something that bothered me and I and he was not asking me about it, I would switch all of the toys. I'm totally Maybe saving this is a that tool idea. for you to use, Sarah. I'm definitely gonna do that when I'm mad at him. But it's like something I'm mad about that I shouldn't be mad about, and I don't want to talk to him about it and start a thing because yes. it's like not worth it. And you then don't want to admit I'll just that you're mad about the it. toilet paper the wrong way. <laughs> That's brilliant. Okay, but of course, I had to look this up and and see what this meant. And there's actually a study that was done about what it says about your personality, depending (gasps) on how you install your toilet paper. So this doctor, Gilda Carl, who is an internationally renowned relationship expert, she surveyed 2,000 people. So, I mean, it's not like the most... Uh, factual best survey in the world, but this is what her study survey of 2,000 people discovered. Those Mm -hmm. who roll over, leaving the loose end away from the wall, like being in charge. Oh, that's so true. (laughs) I I already believe everything she says. No, I believe everything she says, (laughs) because just you wait until you get to the doesn't care part. It is so me. (laughs) They like organization and order and are likely to overachieve. Oh, Interestingly, some rollovers feel so strongly about how toilet paper should be hung that they will flip a roll at a roll under's house. Would you just admit it to? Yeah. If I was at your house, I would switch it just because it's a thing for me. It's a thing. And I would never notice. So go ahead and switch. Uh, And Ben would only be appreciative. So you were welcome here anytime. Okay, then those who roll under um, tend to be more relaxed, more dependable, (laughs) and seek relationships with strong foundations. But then... (laughs) Wait, so if we roll over, are we not seeking relationships with strong foundations? You tell me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, keep going. I can't wait to hear you. Those who don't have a preference, like me, prefer to minimize conflict... Uh Appreciate flexibility, oh. absolutely, and enjoy placing themselves in new situations. I that is like a very That's accurate depiction so of me. Amazing, which is weird. I, I can't believe like one of the best personality tests has been the, the toilet paper one that I don't want to care about. <laughs> I am discarding all that I know about my anagram type, and <laughs> I am basing all of my decisions based solely on this now. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's really all I have on the hello. But I just uh, it was a very I'm so very happy random right and interesting thing. Yeah, me too. I I loved that. That was beautiful. Um, Thank you. I, that was amazing. My hello is um, also just gonna be real goofy again. Um, but it falls back onto your no sleep. So, um, but mine is my personal like strategies to fall asleep, and all of my kids sleep through the night right now. Um, yeah. And so I'm really lucky in that way. So at this point, it's just like me getting my own brain to shut off and fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah, um, this is almost a luxury. I think because I'm to this point in motherhood. Um, <laughs> yeah, you got your every uh, so finally often... sleeping badge. <laughs> yes, make little like um, vest with the Girl Scout patches <laughs> for all of our. So I have to have a very specific setup in order to sleep at night, and my kids will sleep anywhere, anytime. Any place. They, oh, it's this magical nice. power yeah. that they Franklin's have. like that. Evie, not so much. He'll, they'll fall asleep no matter what the conditions are, <laughs> whereas <laughs> I need a very specific checklist. Yeah. So um, we have a TV in our room, not because we watch TV in bed, but because I need something on the TV to fall asleep to. And even this has to be an extra, like there's a very thin group of things that can be playing for a while nick loved to fall asleep to um like war movies or game old like um mobster movies which means that you wake up in the middle of the night to a, a firing squad <laughs> <laughs> so i'd always get really mad at him for that um 
Or he, this is really the most frustrating thing is that it takes Nick all of 12 seconds to go from having a conversation to snoring. And it is the most annoying thing in the whole world. And so he'll want to pick a movie. That drives me nuts. Yes. It takes me forever to fall asleep. So I have to have something on the TV. (laughs) These are my parameters when Nick is trying to choose. It has to be something that I've seen at least 10 times. There can be no gunfire in it. If there's a lot of background mu- music, that's a big plus for me. And so a lot of times I will pick one movie and I will play poor my poor husband. I will play it over and over again for about six to eight weeks. And so I went through an Indiana Jones phase. We fell asleep to Indiana Jones for two solid months because the music is that. like really good. Um, Star so Wars, good. Harry Potter. Jurassic Park's music. Jurassic Park. Oh, Harry Potter. Yeah, there's yes. like gunfire in Jurassic Park though. And so that doesn't work because also there can't be screaming. <laughs> I can't wake up to screaming. It's <laughs> too much. Definitely too much screaming. Yeah. Um, there was one movie. I can't think of it now but i was watching it over and over again and like two or three times in one week there was a part of it where a baby would start to cry and so i woke up to the baby crying thinking it was charlie and then i woke nick up and he ran into the room to a sleeping baby so that movie i can't remember what it is now but that movie is not allowed anymore yeah (laughs) nick nick would come back like dizzy because he had he leapt out of bed so quick because i woke up panicking um so so it has to be a very specific type of movie i do sleep with an eye mask um because i (laughs) because the movie that i require to be on creates too much light (laughs) so i have to so I have to sleep with an IMS to cancel out the fact that the movie I need um, is on Creates So Much Light. I have a body pillow that I have slept with longer than my husband. This thing is so old and so gross. It is, it's nasty. I cannot sleep with it. If I brought it when I went to travel, when I traveled out there to spend time with you, I packed it. I pack it when I travel. because I You packed all your own pillows. I, it was so- I'm weird about my pillows, but that <laughs> That's body. how specific you are. And then you had that dude who had to speak yes. at night. Yeah. At the time. Maybe if you changed it. Since that then. was that was when you were in Seattle. There was that thing. It was yeah, it was a right. um, there is a podcast called Sleep With Me that really did work yeah. for a while. And it's just this guy with a very monotone voice that tells nonsense stories. Um, but no, I <laughs> I always pack my body pillow if we're traveling um, because I cannot sleep without it. My eye mask um, we have in I. <laughs> One of these like fab fit fun boxes. I got one once because it just felt like a special treat for myself. And it had this sleep mist spray and Nick hates it so much. He gets mad because he's like, it's always when my mouth is open and then he swallows. (laughs) So we have the sleep spray. But one of the like weird things that I didn't realize I did all of the time. (laughs) This is this is. really embarrassing (laughs) is i oh you better share it (laughs) love to play with nick's mustache (laughs) what just like just like while you're trying to sleep just no i use (laughs) i use three fingers it's like a um it's like a um, stress ball. You have a special yes. technique. It's like a stress ball, but it's his mustache. And usually because he falls asleep so quickly, it's not a big deal. He won't wake up. And so I like... <laughs> I you, so you're just petting his mustache? While no, it's sleeps. like a back... I can't... And then an up and down. <laughs> sounds so bad. <laughs> I did not realize how dependent I was or how often I did that until one night he (laughs) 
also could not fall asleep. And he got so mad at me because I was trying to touch. Because I was trying to touch his. So he's never woken up to this. No, he never wakes up until that man will sleep through anything. He will sleep through anything. And so, um, so he never wakes up when I play with his mustache. And then this one night, he was trying to fall asleep. Also, I don't know why he couldn't. And I was trying to touch his face, and he got really angry at me. And then we got into like an actual argument because he wouldn't, because he wouldn't let me touch his mustache. And um, and I, I, I need your stash to see. Yes. Well, that's what it was. He was like, no, it's tickly. And I was like, no, just relax. It's okay. And he was like, you can't say that to people while they're lying in bed. And so, <laughs> I'm telling you, he's it was right. He really makes a good point there. I know he does. And then I felt weird. Um, and so it turned. And then, of course, I was just angry at him. So when he would start to fall asleep, I'd play with it. And then I'd stick my fingers in his nose. So he a horrible person. <laughs> I don't even know how to round this out. <laughs> Got so off the rails. I love that. Hello. <laughs> I love all the creepy components. Do you have things that you require to sleep? Um. Now we need white noise because we've adjusted so much to having white noise on for the kids that we put oh. it on our phones now. It's just hilarious to me because I used to like silence. Yes. Um, but now I cannot take silence. Well, there you go. If you if you ever have troubles, I suggest yeah. you try one of my tricks, <laughs> specifically the mustache trick. Let me know if it works for you. Well, what what a way to round out this episode. <laughs> yeah. We had some very serious, like meaningful and in-depth points of view. And then I we mean, also had some light Light, uh, light-hearted ones. I, I think we were honestly mix. all over the place. All yeah. over. We it were was gross. Up. We were funny. We were deep. We were <laughs> heartfelt. You're welcome. This is all for you. Um, I think people that Nick works with will listen to this. And <laughs> yeah, I keep. <laughs> I'm wondering if he's going to be embarrassed now. Um, <laughs> anyways, as we wrap up today's episode, um, I just a quick reminder that we definitely want to hear from you. You can email us at lumpymotherpodcast at gmail.com and tell us. Um, do you have a toilet paper roll preference? Is there a time that you did trust your instincts and it was the right thing to do? Do you also need very weird things to fall asleep at the end of the day? Or <laughs> oh, even I would love to hear that. <laughs> I what would really weird too. sleep quirks. Um, yeah. Or fill us in on a yes or a no from your week and maybe we'll read them during the next episode. Yeah. And if you like what you heard today, there are some things that would mean so much to Natalie and I that you can help and you can help others find us uh, so we can share our our joy, <laughs> our toilet paper and sleep <laughs> joy with 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 all the parents out there make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast rate and review us and share us with someone else you think might enjoy our show and don't forget to follow us on instagram and facebook at lumpy mother podcast or on twitter at lumpy mother pod p-o-d one the number one Yes, and make sure to join us next week to see what parenthood has in store for our lives and yours. Bye! Bye!